Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Now, the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter on 1010XL. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Here are your hosts, Ryan the Hacker Green and Leon Searcy. Dropping is Mahomes, looking, looking. Looks like he wants to step up, fires to the back of the end zone. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown. In the back of the end zone, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and the Chiefs have extended the lead with 7.08 to play in the game. Frank Franchi on the call, Jaguars Radio, and with that, a good Saturday evening, Jacksonville. It is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics. Kansas City 27, Jacksonville 20, as the Jacksonville Jaguar season comes to an end in the AFC Divisional Playoff. With the Pro Bowler, Leon Searcy, and the head coach, Dave Campo, the hacker, Ryan Green, with you. And, Leon, um, there's a lot to get into tonight as the season comes to an end. But I think the overwhelming thought I had driving in today, and people aren't going to want to hear this. People want to talk about the game, and we're going to talk about it. But when you and I and Coach Campo and all of us were back at Episcopal High School in early August, or we were all at Canton, Ohio, seeing your former teammate Tony Baselli go into the Hall of Fame in early August, and I say, Leon, the Jaguars are going to win the AFC South. They're going to beat Justin Herbert in the playoffs. And they're going to be at Arrowhead on January 21st in the AFC Divisional Playoff. None of us would have believed it. So perspective is key on a night like tonight. Well, heck, if you had told me that early on, I would have said you're crazy. Uh, listen, I had this team uh, at the beginning of the season had about seven wins. You know, um, that would have been uh, a monumentous achievement based upon what we did two years ago and a year ago, three and 14, one and 15. But listen, I said, this, I even tweeted this out and I, I, I texted, I was on a text line with a bunch of former players, man. As a Jacksonville Jaguar, a legacy of this organization and this team, I'm proud of this team. I'm proud that you danced with the devil in the pale moonlight and you had the opportunity to win this game. Every opportunity to win this game. Everybody thought it was going to be a slaughter. Now, people are going to say stuff like, you know, Patrick Mahomes got hurt. He was crippled a little bit. That, that kept you in the game. So well, that's a part of the football. But this team went toe-to-toe with a juggernaut, a titan, a team that's making this fifth appearance in the AFC Championship game in a row and had the opportunity to win the game. Now, I know a lot of people are going to say there, there, there are no, what do you call it, there's no moral victories. moral victories, and I don't believe in that stuff as well. But I'm, I'm telling you, this team right here, for the foregone future, if they keep the pieces in place, this team is going to battle in the AFC against these guys for the next decade or so. And, Coach, there's no doubt that that doesn't make it any easier. Mm-hmm. Certainly they had opportunities today up at Arrowhead. They did not take advantage of them. It was almost kind of a, the same thing as the regular season game. Opportunities were there to be had. The Jaguars did not take advantage of theirs, and the Kansas City Chiefs did, and that's why the Chiefs are moving on. Well, there's no question uh, what, a, what a difference a year makes between the team a year ago and where they are right now, and a matter of fact, probably uh, what a difference uh, two months make. 
You know, this football team right now can compete with any team in the AFC, in my opinion. And, you know, unfortunately, most games come down to three or four plays in the game. The team that makes those plays, executes those plays, Mm -hmm. they win. And unfortunately, tonight we didn't do that. But I'm going to tell you right now, this football team, I still believe, is a year ahead of itself. If we do what we're supposed to do in free agency, which includes keeping our own people, and we do a good job out there in the draft, bright sunlight is on this football team going forward, in my opinion. Leon, we got to address the big drive of the game, and that was Chad Henney coming in for an Andrew Patrick Mahomes. Logan Cook with a terrific punt, pinning the Chiefs down at their own two-yard line. And Chad Henney orchestrates a 98-yard touchdown drive. I mean, that that can't happen. And that ultimately was the deciding factor in the game. That with the Agnew fumble, there were other things. Mm-hmm. But Chad Henney coming in cold and going 98 yards for a score was uh, crippling for the Jaguars. Well, I mean, it was, it was back-breaking. And Coach Keppel and I was just talking about this off the air. It was the 40-yard run. It was just simply – the simplicity of having contained on the outside. If 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 if, if Walker Little, not Walker Little, Trayvon, Trayvon Walker. Walker yeah. I mean, they had him drop, but he was supposed to have contained on that that kind of situation. And he came inside. And he allowed to get pinned inside and got those the, the little. Listen, when it comes to football games, it's not the big. It's the little things. It's the attention to details that helps you win games or helps you lose games. And we. If we make that tackle and he doesn't make that 40-yard run, they punt to us, we get the ball back. Who knows what happens? But, I mean, that, that's just being young. That's just being you. I, I, I would think that a veteran team would have not put themselves in that kind of situation where where he's pinned inside and doesn't have a contain, especially when he's in the drop. But, uh, listen, you learn those type of things because you're young. You grow from it. And this team is going to be better off because of this game come next year, and that's what I'm looking forward to. The one thing I was thinking, Coach, is you think about the great quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, his first playoff game, losing to Tennessee in 1999. You think of Joe Burrow coming up just short in the Super Bowl last year. Josh Allen losing with 13 seconds to go to Kansas City in the divisional round last year. And Patrick Mahomes losing because Frank Clark lined up offsides. Or was it D Ford? It was one of them. Yeah. But the defensive end lined up offsides, and Brady went into Arrowhead and, and, and beat the Chiefs. I mean, it's kind of like a rite of, of pasture for of great quarterbacks. You have to suffer heartbreak in the postseason before you can ultimately have success. Well, Leon said that a little earlier. One of the great things about the situation right now going into next year is the fact that no, we played in a lot of ball games where it was one and done. You know, and that's a big, big plus for a football team to know that you can handle those situations and the rite of passage is the fact that once you get into this games, you know the the division games and the and the uh, championship games and the Super Bowl, all it takes is one mistake and you can be out of out of business. And that's a learning experience. And, and listen, and also Trevor Lawrence has got to understand this after losing this game today, he's going to have to lace them up for the next decade. He's going to have to go through the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allen's, and Joe Burrow, if he's going to get to the promised land. Don't forget Justin Herbert. And Justin Herbert. He's still hanging around. He's, he's going to have to lay some up. He's going to have, he's going to have, to, he's going to, have to fight in heavyweight fights for the next decade if he wants to get hosted Lombardi. And I, that's encouraging to me because 
this kid is relentless. This kid got fight. He's got desire. He wants to win. And losing this game, although it may be devastating right now, it's gonna. I'm not gonna say it's gonna propel him in the offseason, but knowing what it's gonna take to beat the Titan, you become the Titan in a couple of years, and then you're that team that everybody needs to beat to win to go over the top. To give you a little teaser, Jacksonville plays Patrick Mahomes next year. They play Joe Burrow next year, and they play Josh Allen next year. So nice, I would imagine nice. that some of those games, maybe all of them, are gonna be prime time. National broadcast, really quick. Phone lines are loaded. We'll get to you. We got a lot to do. We're with you till eleven thirty tonight. Both of you guys, coach. I'll start with you. Jaguar fifth quarter. We're going to talk ninety five percent about the Jaguars, brother. You got to tip your cap to Andy Reid and to Chad Henney and to Patrick Mahomes for playing on one foot and beating a good Jaguar team. Hey, that's what the good teams have. They have competitors one way or another. And, you know, a guy like Andy Reid, you know, we've talked up uh, Doug Peterson the whole whole second half of this mm-hmm. year. Well, he's been doing it for five years straight just with them. He's, he won a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. So, or he was in a Super Bowl. I don't know. Did he win one? Yeah, he Andy won Reed, one. Andy Reid, no, he, he lost one with oh, yeah. Philadelphia. Okay. And then well, he won one. I apologize. Yeah. But anyway, he's been good for a lot of years. And, you know, that was a mentor against a mentee. And it, it was a good football game when it's all said and done. It was Andy Reid's 20th playoff victory mm-hmm. as a head coach. 20 playoff victories. Leon, you got to appreciate Patrick well, Mahomes today. Listen, I mean, you gotta, you've got to appreciate greatness. When, when Patrick Mahomes was hurt, you knew that he was not going to stay out the game. You could tell the frustration on the sideline when they made him go – into the locker room or going to the boot, the, the 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 tent or whatever he did, he wanted to play. Great players want to find a way to in any kind of situation or scenario to finish the game. And I knew that he was going to come back and finish the game. Now we didn't seize the opportunities, knowing that he was hobbled with the bad ankle, that we didn't get pressure on him. I mean, he ran for first downs, he threw off his back leg, he jumped past, he did whatever he needed to do. That's what great players do. Given the opportunity, they're going to shine in those moments. And that's what Patrick Mahomes did. He shined at the brightest moment. There's absolutely no way he was not going to play in that game. And we didn't take advantage of the fact that he was hobbled and we didn't blitz him and get any sacks on him. Because if we get pressure on him, if we get sacks on him, if we get tackles on him, we're going to frustrate him because he knows that he can't move and maneuver like he usually does. So I think that was another missed opportunity that we didn't take advantage of defensively by not getting pressure on uh, and still allowing him to make those plays. Look, I'm not going to criticize Doug Peterson for anything. I mean, the year he's had as the coach and and Press Taylor and Mike McCoy and all the guys on the offensive staff, I guess I would just ask you, Dave Campo, the Jaguar offense did not seem to go down the field very far until they had to in the fourth quarter. They had the one to Kirk that he should have caught. It would have been an unbelievable catch, but he should have caught it. But it was there. It was open. And that's twice. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. But a lot of bubble screens, a lot of you know tight end screens, five yards and in from the line of scrimmage. Why not try to stretch the defense out a little bit? Well, that was kind of interesting because you know going into the ball game, you know I felt that the run game that's one of the things that they did very well defensively uh, for uh, Kansas City, and the run game worked better than I thought it would in the game. Mm-hmm. But I think they went into the game with the idea, look, we're not going to be able to run. We're going to have to use the quick passes and the and the swing passes and some of those things in order to get down the field. 
And you know, they only had, what, in the first half, they only had four possessions. So, you know, when you say, well, we're going to go downfield, the situations determine that as well. So, you know, to me, I think, I think Trevor's going to be a good downfield thrower once he gets, you know, more experience. And, and that's something I think we'll do see in the future. Leon, what was your assessment of Trevor Lawrence? Well, listen, I, 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 think, I think he played well. I think the offensive, offensive line did an adequate job in, in protection. I was a little concerned about Chris Jones and his ability to disrupt the offensive line. I like thought did. they did a pretty good I job. Did an outstanding on him, job. Yeah. They did an outstanding job against Chris Jones. It did an outstanding job. It was the it was the other stuff, the blitzes, the linebacker blitzes, the corner blitzes that we struggled with, not communicating, especially on the road with the crowd noise, not communicating stuff like that. I think that got that got the best of the offensive line and Trevor Lawrence. But I think Trevor played well. I I I, I still believe as much as I love our receiving core. I love Zay Jones or Christian Kirk. I love uh, Evan Ingram. I, I don't think that we have anybody, a- unless you prep it, that can stress a defense. Well, Calvin I, Ridley's I, coming. I know. I don't think we have anybody that can stress a defense where you've got to roll the coverage over to, and then it creates opportunities for guys to catch passes underneath. So, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see what we do in the offseason. I know we got Calvin Ridley coming in. Assuming know, he assuming gets reinstated. He gets reinstated. Yep. Um, but but – if he can stress the defense where they have to roll coverage and gives the, the guys one-on-one opportunities to make plays in the short game and the intermediate game, I think that's going to be that's that's going to be that's going to be volumes for Trevor Lawrence in this offense in this passing game. Phone lines are absolutely loaded. Six four one ten ten is the phone number here on the fifth quarter on ten ten XL. Let's kick it off by going to Belvis on the west side. Elvis, what's going on, man? Man, I'll tell you, yeah. What it was a, it was a great game. I wish it would have been better. I wish you know we we left it out there. We had it. It's just like Leon said. We we had an opportunity and we let it go. But I'm going to say this for this season. I'm going to give a Molly Hatchet. Hell yeah! <laughs> and I am so excited about the future. Um, just like y'all said, Calvin Ridley's coming. We're going to be making some changes. Uh, we're going to be here again. We're going to be here again. And we're going to go further. And- well, I appreciate the phone call. And I think, you know, look, tonight sucked. Let's just be honest. Tonight sucked. And here you are an hour or two hours after the game, and you're trying to, you know, reconcile what happened. But as we get further removed in the days and weeks, and you don't have a lot of time, free agency's seven weeks away. You're going to have to figure out what you're doing pretty quick. I think perspective is going to be key. And the season that was had here in Jacksonville was absolutely incredible. Well, my microphone was out, so I didn't hear exactly what he said. But I agree with you from the standpoint that this stings. It stings because you know when you're looking at it as a fan and as a player – that you had a chance to win this football game. Mm-hmm. Didn't get it done today. But perspective is what you're talking about. You know, we've said it back four weeks ago, the progress of the quarterback, the progress of the team is what was important. Then all of a sudden they started winning big games and all of a sudden they were, you know, in the playoffs and now the expectations go up. And, and unfortunately, we just didn't get it done today. But this football team, you got to be proud of what they've done, period. 
Well, there's another thing, Hacker, that you've got to understand, Coach, is that the fact that you've got to keep the core or the nucleus of this team together, okay? I mean, I know free agency is going to hit, but the essential guys, the guys that you trust, because when it comes to a football team, when it comes to a family, when it comes to a, a teammate, you want guys that you know are going to show up when the, when the light is brightest, all right? So the core of this team, you want to keep it together. Yeah, some guys are going to fall off the deep end and we're not going to be able to keep it, whatever. But the core and the nucleus of this team, you want to make sure that you pay the guys, the guys that you trust and believe that they're going to get it done on Sundays. And, you know, that was brought up to me very quickly in the, in the NFL because the year we won the Super Bowl in 92 with the Cowboys, the next year Emmett Smith held out. Mm-hmm. And he missed the first two ball games, and we lost them both. And Jerry ponied up at that point. He knew he had to get that guy back in there. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're talking about. The veteran guys that are the core of the group. He comes back in, and we went out, and we end up uh, winning the Super Bowl again, back-to-back. So the, the veterans are very important, and you got to make sure you keep the good ones. That's for sure. And we're going to go over these names at nauseum in the weeks ahead. Again, free agency begins on March 13th, but the unrestricted free agents for the Jaguars, Evan Ingram, that's a big one, Marvin Jones, Dewan Smoot, we'll see how the injury plays in with that decision, Arden Key, I think is a pretty big one, Chris Manhurts, Dan Arnold, C.J. Beathard, Andrew Wingard, Jawan Taylor, probably the second biggest after Evan Ingram, then you got Trey Herndon, Corey Peters, Adam Gotsis. So clearly on that list, Ingram would be a big deal. Jawan Taylor, what's going to happen there? After that, I think Arden Key, Andrew Wingard, Dewan Smoot, Manhurts, Arnold are the kind of the guys that, that you're looking at to see what ultimately does happen. 641-1010 to Buffalo we go. Let's get our guy Junior in here on the fifth quarter. Junior, go ahead. Gentlemen, yeah, it's it's a heartbreaker. It's depressing. It feels like I got the wind knocked out of me. I really wanted them to win this because I did. I wanted the ride to keep going. I didn't want the the, the the ride to end. Man, this was awesome. But like I, I, this was a great season because back in December fourth, after that Detroit game, I know when I called you guys, I told you looking at the rest of the schedule, I said I told you guys I don't think they're going to win anymore. Mm-hmm. There, there was no way after that Detroit game how the way they played. I was telling you guys there was no way. But they found a way. They believed that we got the Doug Peterson got these guys to believe, and they made that run. They made a terrific run. And the door, they cracked that door open. They got it cracked open. They couldn't bust it open right now, but they got it cracked. Here comes next year. Next year, they got they're gonna they, they found a way. They got like I said, we got to keep our key guys. We got to get some big, big guys to come in because we left some stuff off on that field. Like Mr. Searcy said, there was big plays on defense that we should have gotten, and we didn't. But they played well. It just it's a small bit, and I think I think we were right there with the coaching and the, and the players we have and the fans. The fans came back through on the last, these two weekends in, in Jacksonville. They came, and there's it's not over. It's not over. I'm I'm really psyched for next year, and be, and I just gotta say, do all and come on, somebody. Junior, appreciate it. Man, thank you very much. I think he called in every single week here on the fifth quarter, and I have no doubt we'll hear from Junior up in Buffalo when we reconvene in September. And look, I mean, 
at the end of the day, you went toe-to-toe with the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs won the game, more power to them. But you talk about the experience, and there's a video that the Jaguars tweeted out earlier of Trevor Lawrence standing in the tunnel, kind of watching the Chiefs celebrate, and he's greeting all his teammates coming off the field, heading into the locker room. And I don't know if that means a hill of beans, Coach, but I saw that video, and I'm like, wow. That is the definition of what leadership looks like from a guy who just turned 23 years of age. We've got the right guy. There's no doubt in my mind from from my coaching experience, 46 years, 23 in the league. Mm -hmm. If I had Trevor Lawrence, I'd still be the head coach of the (laughs) Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, look, it's fun times ahead, obviously, tonight. Tonight hurts, but we're with you until 1130. We're going to give an offensive player of the game. More of your phone calls. Tommy, Jonathan, Dana, all you guys and gals hang in there. You'll be up on the other side. It is the window world of Northeast Florida. Fifth quarter, we are presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics with Leon Searcy and Dave Campo. The hacker Ryan Green with you. Much more to do as we recap tonight and recap the 2022 season here on the fifth quarter, 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is the window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter, live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill, presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. The give is to ETN, reverses field, dives for the goal line, touchdown! A four-yard touchdown run by Travis ETN. Frank Frangie on the call, Jaguars Radio, that cut the lead. To 20 to 17, and you thought at that point maybe some more fourth quarter magic for the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was not to be, but every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a offensive player of the game. That player of the game is brought to you by Universal Roof. Denmark, let's do it right now. The Universal Roof offensive player of the game. Universal Roof and Contracting presents the Offensive Player of the Game. Universal Roof and Contracting. The difference is universal. Got of uh, options tonight, but ultimately I did give it to Travis Etienne. 62 yards on the ground and a touchdown. 18 more yards through the air. And I don't know if there was injury issues or not, but it just didn't seem to get the ball enough in his hands. They were running the football. He and Jermichael Hasty and... You would like to maybe see him run the ball a little more, but nevertheless, Leon, Travis Etienne with those 62 yards and a score on the ground is this week's offensive player of the game. Oh, I mean, he was very impressive. I, I love the way he ran the ball in between the tackles. Like yourself, I'd like to see him get more touches, more screens, a couple of wheel routes out there because they had no answer for him. He was averaging, what, like seven yards a carry when he was carrying the ball? So, yeah, absolutely. I would love to see Etienne get a little bit more touches in the game. Coach, when we start talking about positions to address this offseason, I don't dislike Jermichael Hasty. We didn't see any of Snoop Connor, but it feels like the running back position, you, you need to get another guy. I don't know if it's a, you draft one and maybe the early to mid rounds, you bring in maybe a free agent. I, I, don't, I don't know who, but it just seems like they need another guy in that backfield. Well, you know, uh, ETN has, has been a little injury prone. He gets banged up here or there. You know, he had a good year. He, he he had a nicks and this and that. I thought Hasty did a good job. I think Hasty. The good thing about Hasty is he's a good blitz pickup guy. You know he'll 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 stick you. But you really need another guy that's kind of a workhorse. So you can take a little of the, of the reps away from Etn. 
I'm not sure Hasty's that guy. And maybe Snoop Connor develops this offseason. We'll see. A different kind of runner, you know. I mean, he's a guy that'll pound it a little bit, and maybe he'll come on and and uh, you know, I think I know they like him. Uh, how much they like him, we'll see in the draft. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Back to the phone lines we go. Let's go to the state of Alabama. Let's get Jonathan in here on the fifth quarter. Jonathan, go ahead. Well, I feel really bad that our season has come to an end, but I will say this. I am so darn proud to be a Jag fan. Yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way tonight. I want to say thank you to everyone in the organization, the coaches and players for a great season, and I'm looking forward to next year, and thank you for always letting me call into your show. Jonathan, appreciate it. That's another. Uh, Jonathan's another one. Yeah. I think he's called in every fifth quarter, not Absolutely. only this year, but for the last seven, eight years we've done this show, and I have no doubt Jonathan will be hearing from you next year. And Look, it hurts tonight, Leon. There's no doubt about it. It hurts. It and sucks. Uh, sucks. People don't want to hear about moral victories or people <laughs> don't want to hear about you know uh, how good the team is going to be next year. They wanted to win the game tonight, and I certainly can understand that. Well, uh, listen, they're, they're, they're a relatively young team. Um, uh, we said early on in the season when they lost those five games, we were concerned about their maturity. Because when they went three and seven, I was looking at the schedule, the back end of the schedule. I couldn't see another game they were going to win. But they proved us wrong. And unless you also know that Doug Peterson has his fingerprint on this team. This team is resilient. This team never quits. This team believes. I mean, it, it, it's, not, it's not cliche to say, you know, this team believes. But this team in every situation, just like today, gave themselves an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win a game. And if you if you if you had told me that at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have believed you, based upon what, how they, what, the way they played last year. But that lets you know what this coaching staff, with Doug Peterson and his team, uh, putting putting away the demons of the past and believing themselves in this season to come out and play the way they played and go nine and eight and win the division and win a playoff game and have an opportunity to play with the Titans in the AFC and go toe to toe with them and have an opportunity to win. That's all you can really ask of this team right now. Let's start assessing. And again, phone lines open, 641-1010. Let's start assessing the year. Obviously, there's two main guys, and we'll work our way you know, through the list. You're a former head coach in this league. Can you say enough positive things about Doug Peterson? No, I don't think so. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind he should be the coach of the year. Uh, for what he's done with this football team, just the idea of – what he's done from a culture standpoint, from a dysfunctional operation to where they are right now says, says it all to me. Uh, when you've got a team that, that uh, believes and, and that starts with the guy up, up top. He, I've said it a hundred times. He's a gunslinger that doesn't flinch. And that means a lot to players. When players look at guys, they look to leadership whether it's a quarterback, whether it's a coach, whether it's a position coach, whatever it is. Number one, he shows great leadership. Number two, I think there's a bunch of coaches on this team that show leadership. Number three, they got the quarterback. But, uh, you know, there's no, I can't say enough things about him. He's a good play caller. He, he doesn't flinch in, in, in bad situations. He's upbeat all the time. Uh, that's what you're looking for at that position. And Leon, from a playing perspective, they've gone, guys that have been here three years, have gone from Doug Marone to Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson. Mm -hmm. 
That's not going to happen now. Doug Peterson's no. not going anywhere. Most of the staff is not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, same guys that are gonna, that led this team to the divisional round are going to lead this team into 2023. And I would think from a playing perspective, that's got to be kind of a sigh of relief. It is. And I'm going to tell you another thing about this loss, because I, I, I was here in 1996 when we lost the AFC Championship game to the New England Patriots, right? Getting a taste of the – now, I, I, I come from a team where we haven't played in the Super Bowl. And we went to the playoffs four straight years when I was the Steelers. And when you lose a heartbreaker like we lost in 96 to the Patriots, you look forward to the offseason. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and th- that's funny because, you know, most guys want to get rest and, you know, they want to, you know, they want to, they want to lay on their accolades of you mean, Pro Bowl or whatever they did to do. When we lost the AFC Championship game to the New England Patriots, as disgusted as I was and, and pissed off, I could not wait for the. I could not wait for the offseason mm-hmm. because I, I couldn't wait to get. Because I knew this team was special. I knew this team was special, and I'm hoping these guys feel the same way. Yeah, you're going to get your rest. You're going to need it, whatever. But when the offseason hits and you're back on the grind and you had the success that you had, you can't wait for the season to start again next year. Mia O'Brien, our colleague, ten ten colleague, is in the locker room. Uh, in just text me mm-hmm. and said there's a lot of sad faces in that locker room, but everybody is talking about next year. Yeah, look, yeah. I mean, and it's been it was a great run, a loss like this. I think I think we're all looking forward to next year. And you know, look, uh, <laughs> the free agency six weeks away. Oh, uh, things are going to happen pretty quick. You got to figure out what you're doing pretty quickly here. Well, and there's another thing when when. In 96, when we lost that game to the championship, we said to ourselves, we're not going to be a surprise next year. You're going to know about us. Because, I mean, we went 9-7 and seven that first year in 96. The next year we went 11-5. and five. The next year we went 12-4. and four. The next year we went 14-2. and two. So we're not going to surprise – you're not going to be a surprise to me anymore. We're not going to knock on the door anymore. We're going to kick down the damn door for next year. 6-4-1-10-10 to Jacksonville Beach we go. Let's get Tommy in here on the fifth quarter. Tommy, go ahead. Yeah, just three quick points. Uh, first of all, just the mistakes. I mean, the, the Kirk 60-yard bomb, uh, the fumble, and then there's one other one that's just blogging my mind. But also I wanted to mention something you said earlier about <laughs> the, the horizontal passing game. I didn't really understand that. It didn't ever seem to – open up the field until we absolutely had to and when we have to you would think they they're playing they're playing for that and we're still making it happen so I don't understand why we weren't going more vertical at first and then the last thing is next year man we're gonna have to learn how to get leads and play with the lead because we sure haven't been doing that the last few games but anyway go Jags uh the future's bright Tommy appreciate it that's a great point I mean you can't you can only come from behind so many times I mean this team has got to learn to start quicker. I mean, even today, three and out on offense, Mahomes takes it right down the field and scores, and it's 7 nothing. It's like good grief. I mean, how many times do you have to fall behind? The Jaguars fell behind against Dallas, fell behind against Baltimore, even fell behind against the Jets, fell behind against Tennessee, and fell behind against the Chargers. Now, they amazingly won all of those games, but it would have been nice to actually have a lead at some point uh, so, again, little things you need to look at this offseason. Coach, that flight home is going to suck tonight. There's no question about that. But if you're Peterson, if you're the coaching staff, you'll do your exit interviews. You know, at, at what point 
I'm sure they're going to take a few weeks off. Is it a couple weeks before the combine you'll kind of reconvene and really start pinpointing things you want to address in the offseason program? Well, they'll they'll start right away. I mean, they'll give them – he'll probably get – they'll get a week off. Maybe they'll get two weeks at the most. And then it's back to work. You know, we, we were working uh, right through the Super Bowl, you know, getting ready for the free agency especially. You know, the scouts have been doing a lot of work, but the coaches will now start to look at the top – maybe 15, 20 players at their position going forward. Uh, they, they'll get a little time off to, to you know, regroup, but uh, it won't be long before they're at it. And, and I think the excitement for the coaches are the same as what Leon talked about with the players. You know, I, I think uh, they're shocked today. I'll be honest with you. I thought we were going to win today. I think the coaches felt they were going to win today. They're shocked, and now it's going to – push them towards what's going to happen next year. Leon, we're doing assessments. Assess Jawan Taylor, and I guess he's one of the big two questions, right? There are a lot of unrestricted free agents, but the ones at the top are Evan Ingram and Jawan Taylor. If you were the Jaguars, would you want to bring back Jawan Taylor? Uh, absolutely. Um, I don't think it's going to happen because I, I, I think with Cam Robinson's injury and his availability next year, uh, you're going to have your book in tackles. Uh, and, and Walker Little is a, a little bit more affordable. I mean, Juwan Taylor is in the last year of his contract, and um, he's not an elite tackle, but he, he's he's a solid tackle. And solid tackles get paid, and he's going to want he's going to want Cam Robinson money. Is it as easy as Cam comes back at left? If you let Taylor walk, you put Walker Little yeah, at right? Yeah, yeah you, you, you know, you, you put Walker Little at right tackle. Um, even though he had an outstanding run at left tackle when Cam Robinson went went down, um, but yeah, that, that's that's going to be the scenario. That's how you save money. Because if I'm Cam, if I'm if I'm Walker, I mean, if I'm uh, Jawan Taylor, um, I want Cam Robinson money, and you're not going to get Cam Robinson money because you're a right tackle, not a left. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Again, we're with you to eleven thirty. Phone lines are loaded. If you're on the line, we will get to you. Let's get to Kevin. In Savannah here with us on 1010XL. Kevin, go ahead. Hey, thank you, guys. Y'all have done a great job all year. Great thank you, season. buddy. Thank you. Yeah, you're Appreciate welcome. Um, I, yeah, I'm glad you're talking about coaches and players and individuals. And I mean, who didn't know that the Chiefs were going to go to Kelsey a lot? I got a lot of fault to um, Caldwell. I mean, come on. I mean, how, how does he catch so many passes? It's crazy. Somebody's got a mirroring. You got a double team. You got to stop Kelsey, and he tore us up. That kind of thing. I mean, thank you, Mike. You've done a great year, but it's time to change the defensive coordinator. Thank Kevin, appreciate it. Uh, it's a little harsh, but Kelsey had a huge game. Coach, how do you respond to that? Well, you know, again, uh, you pick your poison because he can beat anybody one on one unless you got a corner covering the covering him which they didn't have uh you know they can beat you he can beat you in man and in zone he knows exactly where to go and the quarterback is looking for him you know on the play that uh that they caught the ball in the back of the end zone they doubled kelsey yeah and 32 got beat one-on-one and with the smith shoes so the scantling touchdown the scantling touchdown so guys uh I, i i understand your you know, a guy catches 14 passes in a game. You got to say, well, you know, we got to do something to try to stop him. 
The only thing I saw that I didn't really like was there a number of times he came off the line of scrimmage and the linebackers were right there and they didn't hit him, didn't bang him. That's the only other way to do it. If you're going to play zone defense, bang him around a little bit. Don't let him get into the open area. I didn't see enough of that. But to say uh, we're going to double him every down and do all that kind of stuff, you know, they have other people that can make plays. you you got to be able to cover everybody. With the head coach Dave Campo and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy, the hacker Ryan Green with you. It is the window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. We're brought to you by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics. James, Jim, Savannah Jag, all you guys hang in there. You'll be up on the other side. We'll give you a defensive player of the game as well. As the Jaguar season comes to an end, a 27-20 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. More to do here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Barry and Barry Orthopedics on 1010XL. We'll be back. I'm, I'm confident in that. And this isn't. This is. This is more the beginning than it is the end of something. This is just getting started for us. So we got a taste of it. And I mean, the guys are already hungry to get this opportunity again. But it, it it doesn't doesn't take away from the just the sting of. Like I said, you put so much into it, and even today, you know, I felt like we had our opportunities. And I mean, Chiefs just they did more today to to win the game. And you know, we didn't make. We just didn't quite make those plays at the end that we've been able to make the last month or two. You know, they made them today and we, and we didn't. So um, that's kind of how the game went. And they, they took advantage of those opportunities and we weren't able to capitalize on them. And, but it, it hurts too because we're right there. There you go. Jaguar quarterback Trevor Lawrence, his post-game thoughts after a 27-20 Kansas City Chief victory in the AFC Divisional Playoffs. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a defensive player of the game. That player of the game is brought to you by Superior. Fence and Rail, Denmark, let's do it now. The Superior, Fence and Rail, defensive player of the game. Jacksonville's building a fence along the goal line. This is the Superior Fence and Rail defensive player of the game. Superior Fence and Rail, where quality matters. Certainly an interception opportunity that he would like to have back, but Foye Aluikin was all over the place again. 14 tackles, a team high, the NFL leader in tackles for the second straight year. What a signing he was from Atlanta last offseason. Uh, this award should have been named after him, Coach. He got it most, uh, most weeks, and he ends it with another defensive player of the game. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player. I mean, you know, he was a great addition. Uh, you know, we felt that they improved the linebacker core in the offseason. I think they have a way to, ways to go, especially in the passing game. But he is a guy that uh, is all over the field. He's a good leader. He's smart. Doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Pretty good open field tackler, and he can run. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we have him, and I think he's a real plus for the football team. Leon, when you look at the future, uh, how do you assess Mike Caldwell as the defensive coordinator and what do they need to improve on most on the defensive side of the ball going into next year? Well, I mean, coverage. Um, you know, uh, I, I think we need at least another corner. Uh, Darius Williams, he, he did a, he did, he did an adequate job this year. 
Um, I think we need an interior defense alignment that can stuff the run and get after the passer. Uh, you're got, Trayvon Walker has got to emerge. He's got to get better. He's got to get better. He's got to emerge. You're the number one pick overall. We expect more out of you, especially in these moments. And by the way, Shaq Griffin's gone. He's not. And Shaq Griffin he will is not gone. be back. He's out the door. Um, but but yeah, you, but you want to keep the core and the nucleus of this team. I mean, this team was uh, terrible. This defensive team was like terrible early on in the season. I think towards the end of the season, they would rank maybe what top ten when it came to overall defense. So, I mean, they've gotten better. So, you want to keep some key components on the defense. But anywhere where you feel that you can improve upon, I mean, whether you do it in the draft or you do it in free agency, uh, I'm all on board for it. Coach, your thoughts on Mike Caldwell? I think Mike improved during the season. I think he started out – you know, I I think he started out the same way I did the first year I was a coordinator uh, in Dallas by doing what he knew. You know, and not really necessarily looking at the personnel that he had and what they could do with what he knew. And I think during the course of the year, he kind of uh, matured as well as the players. And, you know, I thought he did an excellent job overall. Uh, You know, you look back at the games that we won coming from behind, you don't win coming from behind unless your defense is getting some stops. And they got stops all the way through all those games that we were 17 behind, 27 behind, whatever it was. And, you know, you don't get that run without stops on defense. So I got to give him some credit. Well, look, and the same thing applies to the defense that I said about the head coach. The last three years, you've had three different defensive coordinators. So now you have you've gone from, what, Todd Wash, you had the coordinator last year with Urban, and now you have Mike Caldwell. So... Mike Caldwell will certainly be back next year. The defense will be familiar with what they're doing. It's just, it's a process, right? You finally are not going to have the up, upheaval and the the change in direction you've had so many years well, in a row with this coaching staff. Well, I mean, you also got to understand this as well. Um, you had youth at the linebacking core. I mean, you had Lloyd and you had Muma, and they're going to be a year more into the defense, which is going, which is going to help them, because you know at times, especially early on in the season, they seem lost, mm-hmm. especially when it came to coverage or it came to uh, uh, in zone uh, in zone coverage, who to run with and who to pass off, that kind of stuff. So you get you give them an extra year in the defense, understanding the schematics of it, and then you think once they get it down, uh, where he he doesn't have to dumb down the defense they're going to be an extra year into the defense where they'll be able to use their athletic ability, where I felt more this year, you know, they were like, they were doing it on the run. Yeah, they were robots yeah, in a lot exactly, of ways. Exactly, yes. And, and that's a lack of experience. 641 is the phone number. Let's go to Regency. Let's get Jim in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Jim, go ahead. Hey, hey guys, how you doing? Doing well, man. What's on your mind? Coach Campo, I've enjoyed your comments throughout the whole year and look forward to it in the future. Thank um, you. Thank I, you. I did, I did want to ask you as well as uh, Leon, as a coach and as a player, what difference or what impact do you think the new uh, Miller Electric Performance Center uh, will be um, in, in training and developing and so forth? How much of an impact do you think that will have going forward? Well, I would say this. Uh, 
you know, facilities are important. And, and I think just from a, the, the standpoint of being first class, I think that is a factor in how your team approaches the game, coming to work. You know, I can tell you right now, when, when, when I come into a nice building, I feel good. It's like putting a good pair of shoes on or, a, or a, you know, a wardrobe. You know, if you look good, you feel good. And I think that's all part of it. Now, you know, again, it still comes down to the players going in there and working and do free agents coming in. You know, you say, well, you know, uh, in college, the facilities mean, well, they probably mean something in the NFL as well. These are young guys. They look at the thing, well, this is a first-class operation. I want to be part of it. And there is a lot of excitement about the new practice and football facility we mentioned Calvin Ridley. I mean, I know the season just ended you know, three hours ago, but there are a lot of things to already be looking forward to. Well, I mean, I mean, these new athletes, they, they love a little eye candy. You know, give me some grass and dirt, I'm good. All right? That's the way I was, that's the way I was raised. Well, a lot of these players are about the business of ball, and then they like the facilities to go in because it's accommodating to them. Whether it be mentally, whether it be physically, whether it be therapeutically, I mean, all those kind of things factor in and keeping the wellness of a player together. You know, just one other thing real quick. Talking about the Jaguars, you know, they haven't changed much over there since I was there. And I can promise you our coaches' offices, we were like in a dungeon. (laughs) There was not a window in the place. And I'm telling you right now, that's bad atmosphere. And I think atmosphere matters. I really do. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Let's get Savannah Jag on here on the fifth corner. Savannah Jag, what's going on? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can. What's on your mind? Uh, yes. Um, thank y'all for uh, taking my calls this year. Um, first of all, I would like to say that you know, um, we expected uh, less to be honest. You didn't think we were going to go that far and then come to find out. I think the great thing about this year is that we got two games under the lights that we didn't think we was going to get. I mean, and I'm, you know, still very happy about that, you know. Um, but I think that the coordinators need to work on some things. Um, I think press need to work on some things like more of an attack mode um, and throwing down, you know, putting a, uh, like a, Trevor Lawrence, he could run. I think they need to develop some plays for him to run more. Um, I think he could put the ball in front of the receiver. And, you know, we've seen that. But I think he, they just need to do it a little more today. Uh, I've seen them do a screen, a vertical screen to the right. It didn't work. You know what they did? The same thing. It didn't work. So, I mean, I just would like to see them do the attack mode. i like to see uh, Caldwell. Um, he should have had somebody in front of uh, Travis Kelsey every time. Every time. Let somebody else make the play because I wasn't going to let him make the play. Um, I would like to see him put guys in position to get the pick six. Um, I just would like to see them do things. I feel like we have the guys. We have the players. But I think we need the, uh, the coordinators need to think about some of the things they're doing as well. Savannah Jack, appreciate the phone call. The one thing, too, I heard JP and Mike talking about this on the network post game. The Jaguars were fairly lucky with injuries this year. I mean, other than Ben Barch, uh, Cam Robinson, and Dewan Smoot, I'm not going to include Shaq Griffin because I, I won't bring that up, but I, I'm going to include those three. Um, 
those were the only guys the Jaguars really lost for the year. And I do think, Leon, the depth issue for the Jaguars did not rear its ugly head because I do think there were depth issues here, but the Jaguars were just healthy. I mean, they were healthy. So now you have another offseason to build up the depth on this team Mm -hmm. because odds are you're not going to be that healthy again next year the Jaguars were lucky this season oh yeah well I was just going to say that you got to be lucky in this league I mean 16 17 games is all and for the most part the offensive line was intact except for Cam Robinson and Ben Barch but yeah you're going to have you're going you're going to need another guard okay you're going to need another swing tackle because more than likely you're going to lose Jawan Taylor you want you want to have a nice little rotation interiorly for the defensive line you had Arden Key that could come in and spare out Josh Allen or, or Trayvon Walker so yeah, you want to build depth uh, with your with your team, but you also want to bring in guys that you can trust, and that's why I keep saying that a lot of these guys, Doug Peterson, the nucleus of this team, he trusts. And when you go into free agency, you don't know how it's going to pan out. But the guys that we that we sign, I mean, Chiching, return on our investment, Aluakam, for the Kasi, all those type of guys. You got to make sure when you go into free agency and you spend money. I would like them to see to make sure that you take care in-house first. Oh, the guys that deserve the contracts, the money, take care in-house first before you go out there in free agency because a lot of these guys, you don't know if they're going to pan out. You know what you got in the guys that you, you want to keep. You're not so sure about the guys in free agency. Well, the one thing, too, Coach, is they don't have near the money anymore. They got right. cap problems. So you're not going to – the opening day of free agency isn't going to come and they're not going to be signing six people again. Um, you're going to have to – Shaq Griffin's gone, and that's going to save you probably like $12 million. So that's big. That helps. We talked about Cam Robinson. Or, I'm sorry, uh, Jawan Taylor. Jawan Taylor. Let me ask you about Evan Ingram. Obviously, finances need to make sense. But is Evan Ingram a guy that if you can't get anything done prior to March 7th, is that a guy you would consider putting the franchise tag on? Yeah, I definitely would consider that. I think we want him on the football team next year. I think they want him on the football team next year. And he and, said in the postgame locker room that he wanted to be here. Yeah, and and again, uh, you know, you don't know what the – you know, he's an older guy now. He's not a youngster. He's not old, but he's a, he's not a youngster yeah, Next either. year will be year number seven for him. Yeah, so, you know, you know, you got to be careful with what you're doing with a long-term situation – if they can get a long-term situation under control financially, that's the way to go. But uh, if not, I would definitely consider franchising him. You know, you talk about Jawan Taylor, Evan Ingram, Arden Key, Dewan Smoot. The Dewan Smoot thing is complicated, Leon, because of his injury. Arden Key is another guy that bet on himself. A one-year deal, not many people thought much of it, turned out to be one of the Jaguars' best pass rushers. He's another guy you'd love to see the Jaguars be able to keep. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and you want to keep him for the simple fact that uh, Trayvon Walker, has, he sputtered towards the end of the season. I mean, he had, what, three sacks all season? Had a couple of pressures, had an interception, all that kind of stuff. But you want you want guys that, that are productive. And Arden Key is productive. Whether it be outside or interiorly, he gets after the pass rusher. So, I mean, until you, you, you can, you can uh, solidify – Jawan Taylor as, as not Jawan Taylor, but uh, Trayvon Walker as your bona fide pass rusher. It's good to have a veteran presence there to rotate with him if he's not getting it done. Let's get one more in on this side. If you're on the line, we will get to you. We're with you for about another hour or so. 
Let's go to the beaches. Let's get John in here on the fifth quarter. John, go ahead. Oh, Jesus, crying out loud. Where do I start, man? I'm just so – I'm frustrated with the game, not our season. I just I feel like that we really had some things here that could have turned the other way for us. 16% of, of Mahomes dropped back passes after his injury. We only rushed him three out of those 19 times. I don't, I don't get that. Mm-hmm. And then the penalty situation. 16, what, what, 16 flags on Jacksonville, two on Mahomes or on Kansas City? Come on, hacker. That's just uh, frustration coming out of me right now, guys. I got to get off this phone. John, appreciate it. No, it's frustrating. What about that, Coach? What about not blitzing Mahomes more when he knew he had a gimpy ankle? Yeah, I mean, they probably could have. Uh, I, I, You know, I don't look at it. Listen, live by the sword, die by the sword. You got to be real careful with what you do with with uh, putting a lot of pressure on, because it can turn the other way as well. I thought the defense played well enough today. They made some mistakes uh, that hurt us, but you know, again, putting pressure—that's you hoping that you can get some pressure with the front four, but they didn't. They didn't really generate that today. Six four one ten ten is the phone number. Phone lines are open. With Leon Searcy and Dave Campo, the hacker Ryan Green with you. Dylan Denmark is your producer this evening. Coming up next, special teams, player of the game. We'll continue taking a look back at the loss tonight, taking a look ahead at things that are going to happen. It's going to happen quick. Free agency begins on March the 13th. Franchise tags are due, I believe, by March 7th. So you got basically six weeks to figure out. Evan Ingram Jawan Taylor, Arden Key, what you're going to do with some of these guys. More to discuss. Glad you're with us on a Saturday night here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Putting an extra 60 minutes on the clock. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. I think they understand how good they can be. You know, some of the same ugly mistakes that showed up in this game were the things that showed up early in the season. And those are the things that we have to eliminate. Those are the things we have to, you know, move on from. In order to to win against great football teams like the Chiefs are, you know, you can't make those mistakes. And so I think they're disappointed from that more than anything, and and, um, just coming up a little short. The thoughts of Jaguar head coach Doug Peterson after the 27-20 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs that ended the Jaguar season earlier this evening. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we have given you a special teams player of the game. Tonight is no different. It's brought to you by the McKeever Clinic. Denmark, let's do it now. The McKeever Clinic, special teams player of the game. Now, the special teams player of the game. Brought to you by the urological specialist of McKeever Clinic. Odd situation tonight because you feel for this guy because he had a costly fumble on offense. But there's no doubt Jamal Agnew on special teams changed the dynamic of the game a couple of times. Unbelievable kickoff returns. I think in all, he had over 150 return yards, both on punt and kickoff returns. Unfortunately, and Agnew tweeted out, you know, blaming himself um, mm. for, for the fumble. Unfortunately, Leon, people are going to remember the fumble, 
But I do hope they at least consider how good he was in the return game tonight. Yeah, I mean, because he, he flipped the field. He flipped the field on both occasions. Then the, the second time, I mean, the first one he took it for 60 yards. The second one, I mean, if, you out, if he outruns the punter, if the punter doesn't grab the back of his cleat, yeah. that's a touchdown. And the whole the, the, the change of momentum, he changes the momentum of the game if he, he returns that ball. But, hey, listen, I feel for the kid because, I mean, when he caught that pass, he was trying to switch it, switch hands with it, and, they, and then he fumbled with it. But you, you can't take away what he did today. He absolutely was a big factor in, 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 in keeping us in the game the way he returned the balls today. Jamal Agnew was a factor, Coach, and he was a good player. And, uh, look, you know, the, the fumble aside – Jamal Agnew had a good year for the Jaguars. Absolutely. Made a lot of plays for us this year when you consider some of the, the, the jet sweeps he's done and some of the screen passes and his special teams work. And I think you got to give a little bit of shout-out to Heath Farwell, the special teams coach, because, you know, the, the returner doesn't do everything. It's just like everything else. You know, like the offensive line never gets any credit mm-hmm. when a guy busts a long run. Well, you know – our special teams have been pretty good this year. And, you know, you have to win two sides, either offense and defense or offensive special teams or defensive special teams. And we've won the majority of the special teams situations this year. And that's a, a credit to them as well. Let me ask you, Coach, speaking of special teams, Andrew Wingard, unrestricted free agent. They need to resign him, right? Try to keep him. You know, I don't know what it costs. I don't know what uh, – it can't be too much. You know, he's a backup player and a special teams player. Listen, uh, one of the problems that the Kansas City Chiefs have is they have too many Chiefs and not enough Indians. When you look at their special teams, they're not very good. And that's a case of they got a lot of great players, but not that, those guys that, that are the workhorses on the special teams. Leon, take me inside the mind of a player. Andrew Wingard here in Jacksonville became a very popular figure this year. Andrew Wingard signs a free agent deal in Arizona or wherever. He's just a guy. I mean, obviously the money needs to make sense, but if you're Andrew Wingard, you got to know that where you stand here in Jacksonville with other opportunities, with endorsements and stuff, you know, because of what you do as a Jaguar, does that resonate more with you than maybe taking 300 grand more to go somewhere else? Well, I mean, Andrew has to understand also that, I mean, um, He's got to go where he's a young, he's a relatively young player. So he wants to go somewhere where he's going to maximize his dollars. And he's more popular here in Jacksonville, well, in Jacksonville, than he'll probably be any other place. You know, his, his slogans, he's Charlie Hustle, he's a special team demon, he's well liked by the fans. Hell, Andrew Wingo, probably 10 years from now, will probably be across from you doing this radio show. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm just saying, that's what I'm saying. You got, you got, you, you look at the dollars and the monetary benefits of going somewhere else, but you like this team. He likes the players. He likes Doug P. He'll run through a brick wall for this organization. So you absolutely, positively, if you can keep him, you definitely want him on your roster. We had a guy at, in Dallas by the name of Kenny Gant. He was known as the Shark. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, listen, there were Shark signs and hats and everything all around Dallas. He was a nickelback. He was playing as a nickelback. He went to Tampa Bay after maybe three years in the league, never to be heard from again. Right. If you talk to him, he if he stayed in Dallas, he'd have, he'd have made triple, quadruple the money he made going. So there's a lot to say with what you just said 
with Andrew Wingard as well. 641-1010 is the phone number. Let's go to the state of Alabama. Let's get Albert in here on the fifth quarter. Albert, go ahead. Hey, guys. Thank you for taking my call, man. I um, really appreciate you guys doing this all year, man. Um, fuck, man, I'm just really sad about the game, but um, what a what a hell of a season we had, you guys. Um, I can't wait uh, for next year. And, again, thank you guys so much. And, uh, please, I mean, getting rid of Mike Caldwell, that's just ridiculous, I think. I you know, and totally agree. I feel I feel for Jamal Agnew, man. Like the guy hasn't made a mistake all year, man, and it just the tornado had to land somewhere, man, and it just happened to be him and I feel bad for him. I've I cannot I cannot be mad at him at all, especially after all he did the game and all he's done all year. Thank you guys so much. I can't wait to hear from you guys next year. I wish I would have kept going, but that's just how it is. Thank you. Hey, Albert, thank you, man. Appreciate the kind words. And, you know, Leon, to your point, like you brought up earlier, um, it's depressing that it came to an end tonight. <clears throat> I remember in years past, you and I sat here on the final game of 3-14 and 14 or 1-15, and 15, and you and I were thankful. Yes. I mean, look, <laughs> you can only talk about loss after loss after loss after loss. I mean, this starts to suck after a while. Let's just be honest. Let's call it what it is. This sucks tonight for a completely different reason. You know, we had so much fun the last two months doing this. And, and Coach, you've added, obviously, a, a different dynamic, which we've loved. And I cannot wait to when we're all back here in September on opening day. I'm already thinking about it right now. And I would have to think, like you said, that's the exact thought the team has on that plane right well, now. Hey, here's uh, the team, each player is going to do a self-evaluation of themselves. Because I did it when I played. When we lost, we lost the championship game, we lost the Super Bowl game. You always ask yourself, what could I have done better? You know, what could I have done differently to help this team team get over the hump? And I'm sure this this same this team's gonna do the same thing. Everybody's gonna self evaluate what I what I could have done to help this team get on. And that's a good thing because you're thinking about it. And these guys are they're gonna they're gonna relax, they're gonna spend time with their family, they're gonna go on vacations. But when it hits the off season, it's going to be a bitter pill they're going to swallow because they, like Doug Peterson said, the reason why they lost this game is because of the mistakes that they were making early on in the season that cost them games. And if you look back at this season, yeah, we finished nine and eight. This team should have won eleven or twelve games. Sure, they should have. Yep. They, they should have won eleven or twelve games. And then if you if you if you at eleven and twelve games, guess what? Maybe yeah, you got maybe maybe you're the two seed. All right. Maybe you're the two seed now, okay? Maybe you're the one seed. Who knows? But they're gonna they're gonna look back and they're gonna look at the games that they lost and they're gonna say to themselves, this game, that game, this game cost us. Yeah, we were four seed. We hosted the game at home, but we could have been a two seed. We could have been a one seed if we had done things differently. And they're gonna grow from that. They're gonna mature from it. And going into this offseason, because that's the way we did here in Jacksonville. We were we we were nine and seven, and we were uh, what our sixth seed or whatever. We had to go on the road. We had to go on the road against Buffalo. We had to go on the road against Denver. Takes a toll on you. And then now we had to go on the road to win the AFC Championship game. And Tom Coughlin told us after that, he said, "Listen, we're going to put ourselves in a position to where the road to the Super Bowl has to come through us." Now, granted, we went fourteen and two. Everybody knows we lost to the Tennessee Titans or whatever. But that's the, that's the ultimate. That's the goal. The goal is. You got to come through us to get to the chip. 
And I think this team is going to assess what they did this year and how can they get better year in and year out to the point where they're the number one seed and then the road to the Super Bowl has to come through Jacksonville. And, Coach, it's worth you know noting, again, we got obviously a lot of time to talk about this, but the Jaguars played a fourth-place schedule this year. That is not the case next year. For those of you that have not seen it, the 2023 opponents have already been decided. Your home games next year, Houston, Indianapolis, Tennessee. You're also hosting <clears throat> Baltimore, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Carolina, Kansas City, and San Francisco. One of those will be moved to London. Your away games next year, obviously Houston, Indy, Tennessee. You also have Cleveland on the road, New Orleans on the road, Tampa Bay on the road, Pittsburgh, and Buffalo. So you're going to see Josh Allen. You're going to see Pat Mahomes, and you're going to see Joe Burrow, and you're going to see Deshaun Watson in the regular season next year, uh, which will be fun. It'll be fun, but let's hope the Jaguars continue to get better because that schedule is going to be ratcheted up quite a bit. And you forgot Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, that's right. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Maybe. There are issues. Yeah, I don't know what's Baltimore. going on there. Yeah. But, but uh, no, I, listen, uh, the better pl- – looking at the end of the football season, when we got blown out by Detroit, when we looked at the teams we were getting ready to play – Everybody said, gee, I don't know if we can win that one. I don't know if we can win that one. I don't know if we can win that one. This football team could play with anybody in the league this year. Well, we've got to look at it next year. It doesn't matter who we play. It's how we develop in the offseason. And that first-place schedule, bring it on. Let's go. I'll go ahead and tell you this. I'm calling it right now. NFL schedule doesn't come out for three and a half months. Kansas City at Jacksonville, that'll be a Sunday night game. And I would bet you Cincinnati at Jacksonville will be a Monday night game. When Joe Burrow comes in here and Patrick Mahomes comes in here, I can't imagine Jacksonville would want either one of those games moved to London. Uh, I don't know which game they will move to London. Maybe San Francisco, you know, maybe one of the division games. But I would think Jacksonville would fight like heck to have both Kansas City here and Cincinnati here because those are prime, prime time games that you're going to have here in Jacksonville next season. To the south side we go. Let's get AC in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. AC, what do you got? Hey, guys, listen, my, listen to my voice. I went down to dailies to watch the game and the watch party. What an atmosphere. It was amazing. What a great season. I want to talk about Trevor Walker. I mean, I feel bad for the kid. He's been out of position all year. He's on a five technique. He needs to go to the gym in the offseason, put 20 pounds, and be the next Chris Jones and Duval. That's my opinion. Coach, what do you think? AC, appreciate the phone call. I'll tell you what. From what I've seen this year, okay, the kid has athletic ability, but he doesn't have a real good feel coming off the edge. I almost agree with that gentleman that this guy, you were talking about, uh, Leon, about having a guy up inside that can that can mm-hmm. make things happen. Wreak havoc, yeah. This guy has a chance with his hand on the ground to make things happen inside. I don't know a lot of guards that will be able to handle him if he bulks up a little bit and plays inside. So I wouldn't be a bit surprised if he wasn't uh, hand on the ground more next year, whether it's a 4-3 where he's a defensive end Mm -hmm. or whether he's inside uh, as a a three technique. He's got great burst. He's physical. He's quick. He's got, you know, uh, long arms. 
I think he could be an Aaron Donald type of a player because that's who that's how he's built. Mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I think they'll have to make a real decision there. Well, yeah, and you got that question, and then you got the Chad Muma, Devin Lloyd question. Mm-hmm. Can you find a way to get both of those guys on the field at the same time, or is that going to be one of the more interesting training camp battles, Muma versus Lloyd? Well, I mean, it's, you got to do one of two things. You either got to almost dumb it down where they understand, or they got to get in the playbook. But that, that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. Because I, I'm sure the Caldwell has simplified it for everyone so they can go out there and play and react and not think. But they're, they're rookies. They're rookies. And this was, this was a, a trying time for them, especially midway point through in the season. And you just hope they grow and develop to where they're reliable enough to be steady players for you moving forward. I almost wonder this offseason, again, the rookies, their head's been spinning. They've had 23 games with the, with the uh, preseason since they were drafted. Do you maybe look at turning Devin Lloyd into a Caleb on chase on type? Yeah, you may put him outside. Yeah, exactly. Let him rush the passer. You, you know, work that, on that this offseason. I know one thing. Our outside linebackers this year dropping were not good. No. Either one of them. So, you know, now you put a guy that's an athlete that's a that's – a, I'm talking about a fluid athlete like like uh, Lloyd. That might be something. You move Walker inside, put him outside, and see what happens. I, you know, there's a lot of things to look at. I haven't watched them enough. I haven't been around Mike Caldwell enough and the guys over there. I'm going to try to get over there a little bit in the offseason, and I'll probably have a little bit of better feel for what they're, what they're going to do. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised at that. With the head coach Dave Campo and the Pro Bowler Leon Searcy, the hacker Ryan Green with you. About 30 minutes to go on this edition of the fifth quarter. Philadelphia is just about to finish off the Giants. Philadelphia all over the Giants tonight, 31-7. The Giants are about to be eliminated, and Philadelphia will be hosting the NFC Championship game next week. If you want to get involved, Jacksonville, we got one more segment of phone calls at 641-1010. As the fifth quarter rolls on, here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Bringing you an extra quarter of football. The window world of Northeast Florida, fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. Dropping the throw is Trevor. It's a blitz. Fires to the right corner. The end zone. That ball is going to be caught for the touchdown. Christian Kirk. And the Jags strike back. Frank Frangi on the call. Jaguars radio, the 10th touchdown of the year for Christian Kirk. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we give you a play of the game. That play of the game is brought to you by Performance Painting. Denmark, let's do it right now. The Performance Painting play of the game. Now the Performance Painting high performance play of the game. Performance Painting. Prepare, protect, preserve. Christian Kirk's touchdown from Trevor Lawrence, 10 yards to tie the game at seven, is the play of the game. Leon, people are going to remember Kirk for the drop. It was a big drop. It would have been a heck of a catch, but you need to catch that ball. But at the end of the day, Christian Kirk caught over 90 passes for over 1,250 yards and 10 touchdowns his first year as a Jaguar. 
It was a well, good signing, man. It was a good signing. Well, I mean, listen, one play does not make a season. I mean, this guy had – I mean, you you remember the, the, the outside noise when we signed him. We, we, we felt like we had to overpay. Well, we did. We had to overpay to bring him to Jacksonville. Everybody was concerned that he wasn't the number one receiver. But he's balled out. He's earned every bit of that contract. And him, him and Trevor Lawrence has some chemistry together. That's his go-to guy. So, yeah, it was disappointing that, you know, that pass that was thrown to him, he was wide open, had the opportunity to score, and he dropped it. But that doesn't make the season. I, I, I tend to want to remember him for all the big plays he made to help us get to the point where we are. The interesting thing, Coach Campo, is Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, hopefully Evan Ingram. We don't know yet, but let's just talk about Kirk and Jones. You add Calvin Ridley to that. What does that do for Kirk and Zay Jones next year? Well, I I think that helps them. You know, I think you you get one guy if he's, and again now, first of all, we we don't know if he's going to be the same guy, Ridley. He hasn't played since October of twenty twenty one. But we are assuming he's going to be okay. And if he is, then that takes pressure off of a lot of people because he is a legit number one. If he if he's as good as he was when he left, so you know I'm hopeful that. Uh, listen, this has been a uh, a, a very uh, unselfish group from day one. I've never seen anybody worried about anything other than winning. And, and you know, with that kind of a situation, that's good. That'll help everybody. Let's squeeze a couple of phone calls in as we start putting a wrap on this year here on the fifth quarter. Let's go out to Middleburg. Let's get Garrett in here on 1010XL. Garrett, what's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Oh, man. Hell of a season. Can't wait to run it back. Uh, two things. First one is Duval. And the Indeed. second one is up yours, Tennessee. I'll take your comments off the air. Yeah, you know what? We did take the division from the Tennessee Titans. There is no question about that. I saw the Titans fans on Twitter celebrating tonight. Give me a break. You know, the Jaguars win the AFC South. But that's another thing, too. That rivalry, because the Jaguars had been so bad, Leon, it kind of gone to the wayside. Next year, Tennessee Jacksonville twice. Ooh, man, that's going to be more, more of the same, a lot more fun than it yeah. has been in years it, past. It, it, that could be a prime game, time game, depending on how both teams play. You know, so yeah, I mean, I, I like that the, the is the rivalry has been restarted because I, you know, I, I absolutely hate the Titans, especially when I played. So uh, we so we all saw the hype video. <laughs> we know very well that you hated. I have good reason to hate them too. So yeah, yeah, it's good. But uh, listen, going going into next season, uh, it's going to be uh, fun to see that the Jaguars will be the heavy favorites to win the division. Let me ask you guys: role players that are unrestricted free agents: Corey Peters, Adam Gotzdis, Trey Herndon, Dan Arnold, Chris Manhurts. Any of those names, you say, yeah, they need to resign that guy? Well, I don't know what's out there. You know, uh, all of those guys did some good things, uh, especially Gotsis. I thought Gotsis did some really good things. I think Herndon is a capable third corner inside. But, uh, you know, those are guys that you need backup guys that can play. And you try to improve the entire roster in the offseason, not just the starters. Uh, so, you know, they're going to be looking for guys to be replaced. Yeah, you got to build up the depth on this team. Yeah, the depth has to be built up. You don't know if you're going to go through next year without a without any injuries. So, uh, you know, I, I think all those guys, obviously, if you can't find somebody else, then you sign them. If you can find somebody else, it's better. 
and they move on. C.J. Beathard, the backup quarterback, also an unrestricted free agent. Let's go down to St. Augustine. Let's get Steven in here on the fifth quarter on 1010XL. Steven, what do you got? Hey, uh, Hacker and, and uh, Sirson Coach really, really love this show. Uh, Hack and Sirs, I always appreciate your honesty. You never seem like corporate guys, so I always uh, – but it's so thrilling to see positive because this has been such a positive year. Uh, so many great games I witnessed today, uh, you know, this whole season. Uh, looking at next year, I definitely agree, Hack, with uh, both the Bengals and the, and the uh, Chiefs being nighttime games. It's going to be thrilling for us after all those 1 o'clock games. But I also think that we're probably going to be a prime target for HBO's uh, hard knocks. And, and Coach Cambo, I, I think the rule is that every team's got to be on hard knocks, and we're one of the few teams that have not. And the other rule is you can't have a first-year co- uh, coach, and Urban Meyer is gone, and this is uh, Doug Peterson's second year coming up. What do you think? I would think hard knocks is a potential. Yeah, the rule is it can't be a first-year head coach. And there, there are other, like, things. There are only certain teams that will qualify for it. The Jaguars could very well qualify for it, and there'd be a lot of interesting stories. You've been on Hard Knocks many times. Twice. Yeah. Yeah, once as a head coach and once as an assistant. Uh, you know, you have to have a, a, a special group that can handle that. I don't know that we would want to be in that situation right now. I don't think we're established enough to – to be in that situation in my mind. I'd, I'd rather be under the radar. They're going to be looking at us next year as a team on the move, but I would rather be uh, on the way up rather than be there already. And that's why, and, and usually they take a team that's struggling for the, for the hard knocks uh, situation. I, I want to want to be in that situation. Well, look, Leon, you look at the, the dynamic of the division. I mean, Houston and Indy are going to have brand-new head coaches with most likely rookie quarterbacks. And Tennessee, who really knows? So there's no question the next year, come May, June, July, when all the preseason prognostications begin, barring something out of left field this offseason, the Jaguars are going to be the overwhelming favorite to win the South again. Listen, you, you assess that schedule in, uh, in the AFC South, you got to sweep. You're going to have young quarterbacks probably at all – well, every team, at worst, five and one. So, I mean, those are six wins, five wins right there. And then you you want to win half on the road. And this team – listen, this team has got to be looking at next year somewhere between 11 and five or 12 and four or 12 and five. 11 and six or 12 that, – that's, that's got to be the goal. That, that, that right there will put you in the hunt for the, the number one or the number two seed. That's the way this team's got to think. With Leon Searcy and Dave Campo, that Ryan Green with you. Wrapping things up, a couple more segments to go. We'll start looking ahead to what should be a very eventful offseason, an offseason that will happen quick. Free agency, March the 13th. The Combine is before that. Of course, the draft at the end of April. There's a lot to get into. We'll obviously have it covered all offseason long here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. More to do. As we wrap up the fifth quarter next with Dylan Denmark, the hacker Ryan Green with you. It's 1010XL and 92.5 FM. The window world of Northeast Florida fifth quarter. Live from Perfect Rack Billiards in Murray Hill. Presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari and Bari Orthopedics on 1010XL. I mean, I, I, I feel like we're close. I mean, 
you know, obviously we got the right we got the right leader in Trevor. Feel really good about him. Obviously, um, what he's done, how he's how he's played this this season, and and you know, it's just you know, it's a matter of with the the youth of the team. You know, now these guys played a lot of football, and and they're going to learn from they're going to learn from the good and the bad, and and uh, it, it's something to really. I think lean on as we head into the off season, you know, and as we approach the the off season program, you know, in a couple of months, and which is kind of crazy to say, but, I, you know, we're going to learn. It's it's, I'm excited for for the future of Jacksonville, um, and you know, working with Trent, getting the right players in here, whether it's free agency, whether it's the draft, you know, and and continuing to build build our roster. Jaguar head coach Doug Peterson following the 27-20 loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. Every week here on the fifth quarter, we do give you a drive of the game. That drive of the game is brought to you by Tire Outlet. Let's do it right now. The Tire Outlet drive of the game. Now, the Tire Outlet drive of the game. Tire Outlet, wholesale prices, premium service. Down 20 to 10 in the uh, third quarter and the fourth quarter. The Jaguars went seven plays. 75 yards, taking three minutes and 19 seconds off the clock, ending with Travis Etienne's touchdown run that uh, cut the lead to 20 to 17. That is this week's tire outlet drive of the game. All right, we got about 10 minutes to go. Final segment here on the fifth quarter. Before we put a wrap on it, Coach, final thoughts about tonight's game. This one stings, this one hurts. Uh, but what can be learned from an experience like tonight? Well, I think Doug Peterson put it very succinctly. Uh, they made mistakes in this game that they made early in the season, which they avoided in the games leading up to this football game. Now, for whatever reason that happened tonight, I think that will be stick in people's minds, and it comes down to the, the saying to them, look, if we take care of our business and we execute what we know we can execute, we can play with anybody in the league. And I believe that we can play with anybody in the league right now. And and that's what they've got to leave here with, with that in mind. Leon, what about lessons from tonight? Well, I mean, this is a relatively young team. They're going to grow and mature from this. It's going to sting. It's going to take a couple of weeks for them to – be able to brush this off. They, they, they're going to watch the Super Bowl, and they're going to say to themselves, wow. And they're going to look at these other teams that are so-called elite and titans of, of the AFC, and they're going to say to themselves, that could have been us. And they're going to go into the offseason with that that know-how of the fact that they, if they had gotten out their own ways, they probably would have had an opportunity to represent the AFC in the, champ, in the championship. So – that's got to be their goal. That's got to be their focus moving forward. Um, and Doug Peterson said it right. This team is going to learn from this, and they're going to be better off for it next year. And I expect this team to be dynamic next year uh, and and not start as slow as they did early on this season. Before we say our goodbyes, we got to thank a lot of people. Obviously, Perfect Rack Billiards out in Murray Hill. That was our home yeah. for the fifth quarter this year. We loved, loved being out there on Edgewood and uh, – Great folks out of Perfect Rack Billiards. Thank you for having us after every Jaguar 1 o'clock game. And then, obviously, Window World of Northeast Florida brought you the fifth quarter. We've been presented by Eastern Roofing Company and Dr. George Bari 
and Bari Orthopedics. Dylan Denmark, great job. And coaches, we got about three minutes to go here. Um, thank you, by the way, for sitting in all year long. We have certainly enjoyed that. You brought a dynamic that we have never had on this program, and I hope you enjoyed being on with us as much as we've enjoyed having you on. Absolutely. Uh, listen, this has been a blast. I love working with you guys. You know I love Leon back from way back in the day, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed you it, on the primetime originally, show originally and, and with the fifth quarter and Hacker After Dark. So thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it, and I'm looking forward to next year. Leon, you and I have done a lot of fifth quarters together, a lot of losses. This year was not – it started out the same old, same old, but, boy, the last two months has been an awful lot of fun. Well, listen, I've always enjoyed the fifth quarter with you. Uh, this one was a little bit more exciting, a lot more wins, nice win streak, big win against the Titans, big win against the Chargers. I mean – I'm looking forward to having more fifth quarters like that in the future. You'll hear Leon Searcy continue on XL Primetime. You'll hear me on Hacker After Dark. You'll hear Dave Campo all over the 1010XL airwaves this offseason. Dylan Denmark has been your producer on the fifth quarter. Dylan, great job as always. Well, that'll do it. The Jaguar season comes to an end. 27-20, a loss to the Kansas City Chiefs. We will do it all over again. Next year on the fifth quarter here on 1010XL and on 92.5 FM. So for Leon Searcy, for Dave Campo, and for Dylan Denmark, I'm the hacker Ryan Green. Jacksonville, thank you for hanging out with us for the last 20 weeks here on the fifth quarter. And we'll talk to you again when it starts all over in the month of September. Good night, everybody. It's hard to explain, but play-by-play.